Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862 103 103. And Peter Dowdell of the our resident gardener, uh, joining us. Good afternoon to you, Peter. Good afternoon, Patricia. How are you? Uh, uh, I'm very well. And it looks like there seems to be a bit of good weather on the way. The, and it's mixed with showers, but there is a bit of sunshine. The temperatures are up a little bit. So we'll take that. I heard, I heard a great uh, Irish weather forecast last week. So I was talking to somebody in the morning and this. I said, have you any idea what the weather's going to do? And she said to me, well, I was listening earlier, she said there's supposed to be showers and rain and then after lunch it's less bad. We're obsessed with weather though, aren't we? We're just absolutely obsessed with it. We really are. And it, I suppose it's so changeable. And I mean, it just, it, 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 it shows us how much we, re- we rely on what happens outside and what happens outdoors, be it in the sky or in the ground. We're totally at its mercy. Yeah, that's it. We can't change it. And the longest day of the year is approaching on Friday. So let's, uh, there's still plenty of time for the summer to, to, ah, get, yeah, to get better. So, yeah, we'd worry about it. OK, people are on to us with questions. Let's get straight into them, starting with Colette in Kilworth. This question for Peter, please. I have a Japanese maple purple plum leaves. Well, it was purple plum leaves when I bought it. After five years ago, the bigger, middle bigger one is still plum purple in colour but all the new growth is green and stays green it doesn't change to the main colour it's like I have a purple one growing in the middle of another one I'd prefer if it was all the purple colour I'm wondering why it is by the way healthy well the way she describes it is exactly right she has the purple one growing in the middle of a green one so what happens with these purple leafed acers and most Japanese maples they're grafted on, getting a bit technical for a minute, they're, they're grafted on to the rootstock, and the rootstock is a, a plant called Acer palmatum. The reason this is done is because Acer palmatum will grow quite readily from seed, whereas if you get uh, seeds from, let's say, one of the plum-leafed varieties, uh, the seed of that won't necessarily come true to type at all. So you, 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 you propagate it vegetatively, so in other words, by cutting or by grafting. So... The rootstock of nearly all Japanese maples is the straight species Acer palmatum, and then they graft on the the chosen variety onto it, whatever the plum-leafed one she has, might be Crimson Princess, for example, or Bloodgood, or one of them. Um, So what happens then is all the growth comes up through the root system of the rootstock, and it goes into the, at the graft union, the growth then goes into the, the cultivar, the variety that we want. But... Underneath that union, depending on where it was grafted, growth can emerge through the lateral buds of the rootstock. So in other words, uh, green leaves and that can come, but that's rootstock growth, so it's not the growth that you want. It will never turn purple, it's a different plant. Uh. Um, So you need to remove any of the green growth, uh, remove all of that, because now 
all the growth is going into the rootstock, uh, the, the green part of the plant, and if the the the, the grafted part, the, the purple leafed part, is going to get weaker and weaker and weaker until it eventually will fall off. So you need to remove all the greenery uh, to allow the growth to go back into the purple. And that, then, a, and, then she'll, and then Kilesh will have a predominantly purple one then. She will absolutely, but um, it might be an ongoing, an ongoing maintenance okay. issue. But it's not, it's not rocket science. It, it's, it's an easy enough job, but just you will need to stay on top of it. Okay. Uh, good luck with that. Good question for Peter, please. For the first year, I've missed planting out window boxes and hanging baskets. But I'm wondering, is it now too late? If not, what would Peter advise planting at this stage? I wouldn't say it's too late at all, no. I mean, we haven't really had much of a summer, as you said at the start, to get out there and enjoy it. And garden centres throughout the land will still have bedding plants and patio plants suitable for growing in window boxes now. And in fact, the trend towards instant gardening, if you like, means that many of the patio plants and that are now available in bigger pots, so they have a longer shelf life in the garden centre. So as a result, when you buy them, you're getting stronger plants, which will give you more of an immediate impact in your window boxes. So certainly get out and do it. What I'd recommend planting is largely up to yourself in terms of colour. However, I would say this, and it's important, obviously, is that many of the bedding plants, the intensively hybridised ones that we use, are no good for the pollinators, for the bees and things like that, and the hoverflies. So look at two in particular. One is called Biden's, it's a lovely yellow one, Biden's Aurea, and the other is one called Bacopa, Bacopa snowflake. Do try and incorporate those two plants uh, into any of your, your window boxes or any bedding containers, hanging baskets that you're planting. Uh, number one, they're stunning in colour. I mean, they're a lovely addition anyway. I'd use them anyway. But they're also two that are very, very successful for the pollinators. So you could mix some of your, your other ones that aren't so good in with it. But if provided you use some of the Bidens and the Copa, then you know you're doing the right thing by the bees and you're still going to have masses of colour. Okay, Mick in Toker says, I am composting away and have been doing for the last 10 years. Well done, Mick. But the last two years, I'm noticing a lot of wood lice in the active bin that I use for the compost and they're eating all the waste green food. Any reason for this? I'm talking thousands of them. Any suggestions as to what I should do? I suppose the the facetious answer is, yes, there is a reason for it, but I don't know what it is. Um, And it's it's quite simply, I would say, nature doing its thing again, Mick. I mean, as you say, well done, Mick. He's composting away for the last 10 years. And as a result, you are increasing the biodiversity in your garden. It's through simple methods like this, through doing simple, basic things. That's what leads to an increase in the insect population and, and all the right things. So the, the, the wood lice is doing what he wants them to do. Um, I, I don't know the reason for it, but I would leave well alone. I wouldn't be worried about it. They're, they're, doing, they're doing the good job, if you like. They're not causing any harm. Um, so I would think, no, it's just it's just a result of uh, probably some combination of things that he put into the compost bin at some point, which the woodlice liked, and it attracted them, and they're breeding there. Uh, but I wouldn't be worried about it. It's a good sign. Okay, and keep, and keep composting, Mick. Mary's in Ballydehob. She has an azalea shrub that has been attacked by moss up the branches. It's dried out. The buds have dried out. No flowers as a result never happened to her in the 25 years since the shrub has been planted. She wants to know, is it gone now? There's also a green fly on the leaves and buds of roses. But that's a separate question. The azalea first. OK, it's difficult to say without seeing it, uh, whether it's gone or not. She says there's no buds, which certainly doesn't mean that it's gone. But if there's no leaf on it, um, then if, if it's an evergreen azalea, they're not all evergreen, but even the deciduous ones should obviously be a leaf at the moment. Um, if there's no leaf on it at this time of the year, you'd have to say, yes, it is gone. 
what caused it, I'm not so sure. That the moss growing on it is unlikely to have caused it. It could, believe it or not, even though it's been in there 25 years, it's never seen a summer like last year before. Mm. So it could be a result of that uh, intense heat and extended dry period we had last year. It could well be that. Um, but without seeing it, it's, it's difficult to say. If it's just that it's got no flower buds, no, it's not necessarily gone at all. But if there's no leaf on it, then I would say, yes, it is gone. And then as regards the, the green fly on her rose bushes, uh, the first course of action, I was only doing this myself last night, actually, get out there with a secretary. If the infestation isn't too heavy, so in other words, if it's not all over the plant, it's only on a few shoots, go out with the secretary, just remove the worst of the infected growth, and hey, presto, it's gone. Uh, totally chemical-free, totally immediate, and, and a perfectly safe way of doing it. And the rose will produce more flowers, so don't worry about that. Um, if it's a very heavy infestation, you could look at spraying it with the garlic wash, which we've discussed many times, Trish, in your program, yeah. uh, where you pulp down one or two cloves of our, our bulbs of garlic with about two litres of boiling water. Google Google it is the best way. You'll get many different uh, variations uh, of yeah. it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so make a wash using garlic and boiling water, then dilute it and spray it onto your, your rose bushes. That works brilliantly as a preventative because it makes everything that you spray it with unpalatable to the aphids and the caterpillars. Not always wonderful when the attack has started, but certainly worth a try. And also, of course, there's great antifungal properties with garlic, so it helps with black spot and things like that as well. So it's a great thing to do when you're, you're regular maintenance scheduled anyway. Uh, and lastly, the last, the last way I would steer you, if none of them, uh, if you don't want to try either of them, you could just get an, uh, an organic insecticide. So one containing pyrethrum or pyral uh, is an organic insecticide. Now, I've done quite a bit of homework on this because it's something I advise quite a bit. And... It seems to be, from what I can find out, it's not that it's, even though it's organic, it doesn't mean it's totally harmless for the bees, but it certainly seems to be much less harmful for the bees. So uh, look for one of the organic insecticides. Only use it in the evening time when the, the bees have gone back to their hive, uh, and that should also be quite effective. Hi, Peter. What will kill unwanted grass for good? Uh, getting out there with with a shovel, getting out there and digging it up. It's it's hard to know if it's unwanted grass. Is it growing through the shrub beds, or is it that you want to get rid of a lawn, uh, or what? Uh, yeah, the only weed killer really that is going to do it is glyphosate, which is the the active ingredient that's present in Roundup. The one we're trying not to use. All of them, yeah, yeah, it's in all of them. But it's it's yeah. I let you make your own call whether you want to use it or not. I certainly don't want to be accused of recommending it. I'm not going to recommend it. I I don't use it. But the answer to the question, what's going to kill the grass, is glyphosate. Yeah, okay. I want to plant a hedge, says another listener. I was thinking about Herberus Darwini. How high high will it grow as I need something to go to six feet high and something prickly? Thanking you. Well, yeah, no, absolutely. They've, They've come to the right right solution it's evergreen berberus darwinii it's uh will grow to easy we'll get to six feet maybe even seven and eight if left unchecked lovely orange flowers in kind of late winter uh, and berries uh kind of black bluey blackberries from last year's flowers very prickly evergreen dense dense hedge nobody will walk through it um the only thing that i'd have to say about it is it's relatively slow now i wouldn't let that stop you it just means you will be waiting for it uh, to come together as a hedge or if you, you like all of them you can get them at a mature size but you'll pay for it mm. so the the advantage of something being slow growing is that it's low maintenance it's not going to once it gets to six feet it's not going to get out of hand like laurel wood or something like that um but the advantage of the, the disadvantage of something slow growing is obviously it takes time and therefore if you buy it mature it's going to be more expensive 
Hi Peter, can I cut back Mexican orange blossom now? It's not flowered. Okay, well, the, the, I would say yes, you can, because the advice of Mexican orange blossom, a gorgeous plant, Trish, uh, Choicea ternata, really lovely plant, scented white flowers, or should have, in this case, scented white flowers, but it should be finished or finishing around now, uh, and that is the time that I would, would cut it back just after the flowers have gone from it. So if it hasn't flowered this year, then yes, cut it back. Um, uh, she doesn't say, or the caller doesn't say whether it's flowered in previous years or not. Uh, if it hasn't, or if it has, if, rather if it has and it just hasn't flowered this year, I would give it a shot of the nature safe or something that, uh, some good organic plant food to, to promote flowers for next year when, uh, just after you've cut it back. Hi, what can I feed strawberry plants with, says a regular listener? Again, I would go with that nature safe, which I was just recommending to promote flowers. It's a good one because it promotes flowers and fruit. It's a totally plant-based plant food, which means there's no animal product in this. And when, you, when you're when you're in my game, you have to become more and more aware of of um, vegans, and they're not more aware of vegans. I mean, I don't mean to sound patronising about it, but uh, there so many people are more and more. It has become more popular. About, yeah, yeah. But, um, but more people are so concerned about the what they eat. I'm, I'm, for example, I'm severely celiac, so I have to be incredibly careful about what I eat and what's in the the food that I'm eating. And and um, vegans would be very, very serious about what's in their food. So if you're growing strawberries, uh, it's good to know that the plant food doesn't have any animal byproducts in it. Okay. So the Nature Safe is purely a plant-based one. So it's, it's vegan friendly, if you like. Um, and it's it's a, an incredibly good organic plant feed. So I I use that in all my fruit and veg. You can get that in a, to the best of my knowledge, you can get that in a granule, well, I know you can, in a granule as well as a liquid. Okay, and I love to see people growing fruit and veg. Here's a gym near Bantry. Peas and beans seeds sown four weeks ago today. Why are they not above the ground by now? They should be. That's all I can say to that. Uh, at this time of year, June, you, you sowed them in May. It, it, it hasn't been a wonderful summer, but the temperatures have certainly been high enough for them to be germinating. Um, a couple of questions I would have more than answers. And one is, the first question I would have is, how deeply do they bury the seeds? It's only about a quarter to half an inch that you'd want to bury them down or, or else start them off in pots and then plant them out. So maybe you put the seeds too deep too much soil over them. The other thing, and it's possible, is maybe the seeds were, were, were dead. Maybe they, they, they were no longer alive. They might have dried out too much in storage. Um, I really can't say, yes, I mean, the, he's right to be concerned because four weeks they should certainly be well over the ground by now. Okay, another listener says, uh, I bought a hydrangea. When do I plant from the pot? Watering well. When do I plant? When do I feed it? Okay, well, watering well is very important, particularly if it's growing in a pot. But hydrangeas like to be in a slightly damp soil anyway. They'll thrive best in a, in a moist, damp soil. So water is obviously important. When you're planting something from a pot, it doesn't matter whether it's a hydrangea or what it is. When you're planting it from a pot into the open ground, you can do that any of the 52 weeks of the year, uh, provided, obviously, the ground isn't waterlogged or frozen during the winter or anything. Like that. Uh, there's no root disturbance, you see, when you're taking something out of a pot. It's only the other way around when you need to be concerned. So you can't take something out of the ground except during the winter months. But when you're going from a pot, which is why nearly everything is grown in pots now in garden centres, so that people can plant whatever they want, whenever they want. Uh, so the answer to the question is plant it away now, plant it whenever you want. But do uh, do continue to be diligent with watering. Obviously, nature is going to take care of it a lot of the days at the moment. But when it's not, you have to assume that that, pot, uh, that plant is still in a pot, if you like, for the next few months, because the root system certainly won't be able to get its own water from the soil yet. So 
pretend it's still in a pot uh, and keep watering it regularly, but you can plant it immediately. How to, could Peter suggest how to make organic mix for potato blight? An organic mix. Well, the the copper sulfate or the blue stone, which is what was traditionally called is the best preventative for for potato blight. If you're buying it in a garden centre, you'll found it uh, uh, labelled as copper mixture, and it comes in a white powder. I'm not a chemist, but I did speak to a chemist about this before the, about the various different ways you can buy it, and it's it's. So it's copper sulfate, and then you have copper sulfate. I think it's pentoxide. I could be getting the wrong term now. But the, so when it's blue, I think it's already been mixed to, with water to a degree, um, or pentahydrate maybe it is. Anyway, um, if you're buying it in the garden centre as copper mixture, you mix it with water to make a solution, 35 grams to 1.5 litres of water. Make sure it's well dissolved and well mixed, and then you apply it to, to your potato plants. If you're buying it as bluestone in a, a co-op store or an agricultural supplies, you'll have to check with who you're buying it from as to the correct concentration, the correct dilution rate, because the, it can vary in strength uh, depending on what formula or what formulation it's in. As I say, I'm not a chemist, but they'll they'll have that or they should have that information in the store where you're buying it. Okay, Jane in Mallow wants to know what's a good time to cut back holly? Uh, probably too late now for this year. You are too late for this year because the berries should have set in it already. So now on saying that, if you cut back a holly at this time of the year, you're not going to really damage or kill the plant, but you will sacrifice any berries for the winter. So the right time to do it is kind of February, just after the berries are more or less gone and the birds may have taken the last of them. Um but before the flowers have come, and people might be listening and say, I didn't know a berry or holly flowered, but it does, and it's actually got a most beautiful flower, but very, very small, because, of course, if there were no flowers, there'd be no berries. Um, so the flowers happen earlier in the year, kind of around April time. So I would cut it March, April, so I would cut it in, in February, just before the blooms. And I've been asked to mention that there is an open garden at Morris and Gertie O'Donoghue's in Carrick Navarre. It's happening next Sunday between two and uh, six and all are uh, welcome. What are you up to this week? And that is a fantastic, fantastic garden. It's really one is of the it? best gardens you'll be lucky enough to see in Cork. It's a brilliant garden. And there's several open gardens this weekend. I know Tony Barry down in Carrick Tool is open for the hospice as well. There's too many to mention. I've been asked to mention loads, but there's lots of open gardens this weekend. And then on the 29th of June, there's a fabulous screening of a movie about Peter Odolf, who's probably one of the most influential garden designers of the last 50 years. And that's happening in the Nanonagel Centre in Cork City on the 29th of June and this Saturday on the 22nd of June I'm taking myself down to the Karen Bridge Garden Centre at Blackwater just outside Yall so it was formerly the Blackwater Garden Centre which most of your listeners will have known it as uh, Karen Bridge Garden Centre are in there now they've taken it over and what they've done with the place it's looking amazing Trish it really really is really is looking fantastic. I'll be down there this Saturday from 12 o'clock. I'll be talking about designing with plants. I'll be kind of sharing some tips about how to use elements like colour, texture and structure, how to how to work with them in the garden using plants. Um, that's this Saturday from 12 to I think about 1 or 2 I'll be there. Uh, so looking forward to that. That's the, what was the Blackwater Garden Centre in Yall, just outside Yall. Okay, enjoy and we'll talk again next week. Thanks, Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big. 